Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary and Community Services Show, which is now in its 10th year. Our show is broadcast every Friday between 6 and 8 pm on Community Radio Station 3WBC 94.1 FM and also streams live on the World Wide Web. Yeah. And the next story we have will just increase that hope. Absolutely. We would love to welcome to our studio now, Di. Di, you managed to get through the traffic, <laughs> thank goodness. Welcome to our studio. Yes, welcome. Thank you. Di is the spokesperson for Interplast, and she's an active member of the Rotary Club of Baldwin in District 9800 and she's also a former theatre nurse I believe so you've got an excellent Mm -hmm. understanding of the workings of Interplastite. Thank you, thank you very much. It's a bit of a hard act to follow the world president. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what, what, the, what the protocols around that might be. Oh, yes. Well, I'm still uh, shaking, I think. Uh, no, you always find they're just uh, down to earth. And uh, uh, obviously well, somebody from Chattanooga, Tennessee is going to be very down to earth and warm and, and you never have any, uh, you have just the hospitality is always there no matter where they are. Yeah, so. What a great name to keep saying. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. You almost feel like you have to sing it. You do, and uh, I'm sure he's heard that song so many times, the Chattanooga Choo Choo, but uh, yes. So Di, can you share with our listeners who may have never heard of Interplast, Mm. just who Interplast is and what's the sort of work that they are doing? Mm, For sure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to meet you both and to be here. Mm, Great. Uh, Interplast is a not-for-profit organisation that works to improve the quality of life for people with disabilities in developing countries, literally our neighbouring developed countries, through plastic and reconstructive surgery. And we have what we call a twin track approach. We deliver plastic and reconstructive surgical services and we have training and mentoring programs. Our aim is ultimately to achieve sustainable health practices and and systems in these developing countries that we work in, of, of which there are actually 17, and we, we may um, come back to Talk the, uh, the range of um, different countries that we work in, if you like. We've been uh, working on the ground for 32 years um, in some of the poorest countries that in the Asia-Pacific region, mm. providing life-changing reconstructive and plastic. If, if I could just take a moment and just differentiate because there is often a little bit of confusion around the differences between cosmetic surgery and plastic and reconstructive surgery. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, they're often the same surgeons capable of, of uh, this type of work, but what we do and what our volunteer surgical teams do is not cosmetic. It's plastic and reconstructive work. So it's about restoring function uh, with congenital and acquired conditions. And we, we can cover a little bit more of that in a few minutes if you like, but um, there's often an an, a, an improvement in appearance, of course, but that is not the purpose of the work. It's all about restoring function. Yes, right. yes, and in, and in fact, if you go to your uh, Interplast website and, and you see uh, uh, all the stories, and, and yeah. really I have a true understanding that these, these this is necessary yeah. uh, surgery. It's yeah. not, uh, not, uh, not an option, really. No, no, no it's not, and, and it's provided to people who can't access or afford it. Um, right. Very much working in-country with partners, hospitals, medical staff in country um, to deliver these services and working with them very closely to build their capacity to deliver more and more. Mm. Uh, tell us a bit about the uh, history of Interplast. How did it begin in uh, Australia? Mm, sure, it's actually, it, it is actually a bit of a story because uh, uh, in the early 1980s, um, 
a very well-known and highly regarded uh, Australian plastic surgeon by the name of Mr Leo Rosner, um, spoke at a Rotary Club. Now, it was down, I'm not 100% sure if it was Parkville or Cheltenham, which club, but it was in that vicinity, about his experiences as a volunteer surgeon with Interplast USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's now been renamed. Um, it's called Resurge International, I think. Anyway, uh, Dr. Gerald uh, Duff was a Rotarian um, who heard Leo Rosner speaking and was intrigued by this, and he pretty much instigated discussions to transplant that concept to Australia, the idea of volunteer surgeons and teams going to developing countries doing this sort of work. Um, so that really started a series of conversations with very much involving Professor Donald Marshall, who was a very key player at the time. He um, is a wonderful, um, he's a living legend for us and a wonderful supporter still. Uh, And he was the chair of the Plastic and Reconstructive Division of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. So that's where this partnership evolved from, between Rotary, 980 as it was, Mm -hmm. became 9800, and the Royal College of Surgeons. So for 32 years, that partnership between Rotary and the Royal College of Surgeons has been in place and, and continues today. Rotary is vital to the work of Interplast, um, both funding and in governance. Our constitution has designated places on the board for Rotarians. Um, our current president is a Rotarian. Um, we have um, an advisory committee of um, nine past district governors, including immediate past district governor Murray Verso from 9800. Uh, they're from all around Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we have a Rotarian coordinator, that's me, so right. I sit across the relationship between Interplast Inc. and all the Rotary Clubs of Australia and New Zealand. Wonderful. So Good heavens. Great districts role. And our six yes. yes, I love it. Outstanding <laughs> role. Uh, so really, since 1983, that partnership has, um, has just gone from strength to strength. Hmm. The yeah. first program, um, I know we've got other questions to come. No worries. I'll tell you briefly. Yeah. The first program was in 1983. That was actually to Samoa, fully funded by Rotarians. The second uh, program was to Fiji, also fully funded by Rotarians. Um, this started to get a bit of attention from the Australian government who recognised the value and importance of this kind of foreign aid. Um, so they started providing some partial funding for programs targeting South Pacific Islands. Oh, right. Um, and then growing support from Rotary, corporate support, some very generous individuals. Um, Interplus was able to branch out more and more to more countries and expand the services it really is all about responding to the needs and requests in country. Uh, and there's a growing number of needs, especially for training that builds those surgical skills and in-country capacity. I mean, it's the idea of the fisherman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Teach to fish. Don't just provide. Sure, sure. And I think there's been some cases where you don't go to certain countries now because you have trained up people to where they're able to sustain yeah. their own right. uh, surgery center. Yes, there are a few. Mm. Or, or there's some where um, the nature of the work has been elevated to very high end mm-hmm. uh, because there, there are some places that have staff that are particularly good at doing a lot of the, um, uh, the more frequent things they mm-hmm. see. So the, the skill level is being raised. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and then in 2007, we actually changed name to become Interplast Australia and New Zealand to recognise the collaboration across the two countries because our volunteers come from uh, right across Australia and New Zealand. 
Right. Wow. So how do those volunteers get to hear about you? Because, you mm. know, I know with Rotary it's such a diverse organisation, but there's still a lot of people around us that don't know Rotary, mm. and the same, mm. I'm assuming, would be true for Interplast. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, the, the silent, the quiet achiever type thing. Yes, <laughs> yes. Pluses and minuses about that, aren't there? So does it tend to be a conversation within the medical Sphere. Largely, largely. Right. People talk about their experiences and recruit others. Uh, we, and we have uh, quite literally more people uh, qualified and available to volunteer than we can fund. Really? Yeah, mm. Absolutely. So we need to work on the funding side. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that plug. <laughs> well, and indeed, it's, right, it's not just ro- right. you know, it's not just Rotary funding. This is the community is funding, and and yeah. uh, and our it's listeners broader. certainly, um, um, when they buy a Sasha Sizzle, sometimes that that money is actually going to a lot of different things, including Interplast for a lot of clubs, and yeah. and uh, a lot of support uh, is out there. That's but we right. certainly are seeking uh, more for Interplast as well. Thank you. And what what a story. What a change it is for a family, not just in a community, not just for that one individual that gets the help, is there? Absolutely, and that's a key point, that while surgery uh, definitely benefits an individual, the the greater effect, the broader effect Mm. uh, is actually in in training professionals, Um, nurses, surgeons, trainees physiotherapists, and, and across our range of volunteers, it, it's surgeons, anaesthetists, nurses, allied health professionals, that's your physiotherapists, hand therapists, speech therapists, occupational therapists. Yes, and I was just, you know, with John um, Germ here, we've been talking about peace. Mm. Uh, what better way to be able to engender peace uh, through our acts of doing uh, these kinds of projects and, and, and changing the lives of not just the individual but the family around them and the community surrounding them and, and what they may achieve uh, themselves uh, as well. So mm. set apart from just the surgery and the, and the, and the practice of medicine mm. that you're expanding, you're expanding a lot more than that. So That's absolutely as, right. As and it's, it perfectly encapsulates the view of Dr. Jill Hicks, South Australian of the Year, double amputee from the London bombings of 10 years ago, yeah. uh, who I met in um, March in South Australia. And she has recently been here in Melbourne to participate in the Eureka Tower Climb, one of our yes. fundraisers. Um, very challenging for someone who's a double amputee, so. and she did it in just under an hour, and she was very proud wow. of herself. Wow, that is incredible. She was yeah. fantastic. So, but that's exactly her reason for doing that sort of thing for an organisation like us to support what we're doing, because it has the wider, peaceful. Uh, it doesn't matter what your views are. We're no. non-political. We're um, uh, we, we're not aligned with religions. Um, we treat people as they are and as they come. Beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. Thank you. So you've you've touched on who the team is in terms of the volunteer base, mm. and and you've talked a little bit about the key base too. So it's through the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons that that's where we're based. We're tenants in the the basement. We um, so the organisation is um, based on a partnership. Right. So. Um, I know that's often a little hard to define what does a partnership mean, but uh, it, it is an, an ongoing commitment to, to both. So between Rotary and the Royal College of Surgeons, that's the basis of the organisation. We're a small band. Um, we're, we're not ashamed to say we punch above our weight <laughs> um, <laughs> because of what, what we have been able to achieve uh, and the plans for further achievement. So there's been quite a lot of growth in the last four or five years in particular. Uh, we delivered... 
58 programs in the last financial year, 51 in the year before that. We have about 70 planned for the current year that's that we're incredible. in now. Oh, wow, that's, that's great. It's, it's the demand. The demand is so strong. Well, I'm sure there must be a, a, such a list of, mm. of needy people, and then you have to go through that difficult process of prioritization, and yeah. it's almost like triage where you need to decide you know, where you can make the big, yeah. biggest difference, can't you? Some and if you decisions. look at the World Health Organization figures, they say there's 2 billion people who have no access to basic surgical care. Two billion people. Yeah. So, yeah, making yeah, those choices, true. it's pretty heartbreaking to have to say no, I would say. That's true, isn't it? That's mm. not true. And, uh, and, and out of those um, 230-odd million surgeries uh, performed around the world, the, the poorer communities only get about 3.5%, uh, where the world's wealthier communities get over 73%. Um, and, and you're right, these statistics just speak of that harsh global reality. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, thank you, Di. We're going to have... Now, Di, let's come back to our Interplus story. I was reading on the Interplus Facebook page, they have one of those listeners, that the increased demand for services means that you've had 70 programs planned this year. Mm-hmm. Now... Where have these programs been? Uh, well, in the the year just finished, the um, five, the Rotary year, uh, we worked in 26 different locations across 17 countries. I can bore you with the list, um, starting probably from the geographically furthest away and moving down. Uh, Mongolia, Bhutan, Nepal, Bangladesh, Myanmar, Sri Lanka, Laos, Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines... Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, Vanuatu, and Kiribati. Good heavens. The list of 17. Well done. More um, than one location in pretty well every country. Pretty well every country. So different countries have different needs, so we have different programs uh, tailored to address what the in-country partners um, are are wanting and needing. So So are those those in-country Partners, are they hospitals notifying mm. you or are they Rotary Clubs notifying you? Or um, how does that work? In country partners tends to refer to the surgical partners um, right. in terms of addressing those needs. Um, but we do have relationships with the Rotary Clubs where they exist in the countries we go um, and, uh, and, and they're very helpful, they're very supportive. Uh, in fact, we could talk um, about a couple of uh, particular programs shortly that have been supported by Rotary here and supported in-country by Rotary clubs. They tend to do things like um, help with the transportation. We take all our own equipment on surgical trips. We take between 280 and 350 kilos of excess luggage. You try not to get behind an Interplast team when you're booking <laughs> into the not. airport next time. Yeah. Uh, so there's quite a lot of uh, cost involved in that excess yes. uh, luggage. They're all in those big um, reinforced music type um, equipment cases. Um, two main reasons for that. One is to ensure that you've got the equipment that you expect to need right. and the other is not to be a burden on local resources. 
Right. But there must also be some challenges in terms of even the power source available for you mm. at these places. Would that be right? Some places, yes, yes, mm. yes. No, there's certainly plenty of stories of uh, power going down, generators working for a while, then cutting, somebody standing on a chair holding torches onto a patient. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Literally in the middle of an operation, that yes. sort of thing can happen. Oh, yes. So I was going to ask you, how do you cope with the surgical equipment and, and catering for unexpected emergencies? I guess that's uh, you just have to be um, a good Boy Scout and be prepared uh, for everything. Is that right? A little bit of flying by the seat of your pants sometimes. Yes, yes. Uh, though I will say a lot of developing countries these days, not all, but a lot, do have um, quite reasonable facilities. The Japanese and the Chinese governments in particular have been uh, uh, building um, hospitals in, in quite a number of developing countries. Oh, interesting. Um, yes. But then it falls to organisations like us to work with the in-country partners to actually um, develop the skill base mm. for the mm. personnel. But the facilities, um, Samoa's got a, a lovely new hospital that they didn't have three years ago. Right. Wow. So when you've had a, a contact from a community to say this is our need can you facilitate a team there do you have bongo drums happening to let teams know that there's a project requirement in a place and then they sign up or how does that work uh, that, that's a very good example of how it can work at both ends actually for example uh, when it's planned that a team is coming the word goes out in country through local embassy radio um, newspapers, rotary clubs to let people know that a surgical right. team is going to be in town and people literally just arrive That's like on, on the designated day they just yeah. roll up on the designated day so you do do a bit of a triage system and a, a, a systematic um, plan uh, right. that is often helped by the Rotary Club working with um, local medical staff in advance patients from outlying areas being brought in um, that is not uncommon at all. Mm. Uh, and at this end, um, once funding is secure against a planned program, then you, you do. You start contacting the people who have been before. Uh, there's a country coordinator within the volunteer staff in Australia and New Zealand for each country we go to. So they're your oh, first okay. port of call mm -hmm. for availability. And most of them would go back to that country at least once a year. Mm. I mean, a lot of our um, volunteers, uh, nurses and doctors have been going for, for many years. Mm. Which tells you how rewarding it is for them. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, uh, it's challenging. They're often working under very um, difficult and challenging circumstances. You can't uh, call for the resources that you can um, hear, for example. Um, but for many... They do often talk about how uh, inspiring it is and, and it often represents the core reasons as to why they went into medicine in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right, yes. Mm -hmm. The rewards of seeing the difference you're making in people's lives. Absolutely. Because as Tom was mentioning, when you look at the website and you see, you know, you visually see what the needs yes. are of, yes. of the cases that you, yes. you take care yes. of, yes. you... Yes, you just know what a difference it has to make in their life to have yes, had the right. opportunity for these surgeries. Yes. And when we're talking, if I might just pick up on the, uh, the notion of the cases, when we're talking about acquired and congenital, uh, the most common congenital condition would be cleft lip, cleft lip and palate, the palate being the roof of your mouth. Um, 
there's, the jury is still out on the cause for that. Uh, the evidence suggests there's a, an interplay between um, genetic factors and right. environmental factors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and environmental is probably diet and most likely folic acid, uh, but there's right. no one single cause. So, so it's very hard to actually um, prevent. Um, surgically, relatively easy to fix. Uh, can make a huge difference, of course, to people's lives. Yes, um, significant. Yeah, uh, and acquired uh, trauma and things like burns. Um, burns, fire is used for a lot of, um, obviously, uh, cooking and heating and um, is uh, common. Kerosene stoves explode quite regularly. Mm. We get ordnance mm-hmm. injuries. Um, we get acid burns in some countries. Okay. Uh, so these things are... Um, Pretty, they're surgically treatable with the right skills. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, my hat goes off to the people who are the surgeons and nurses because, mm. you know, that's you've got to have a strong mm. constitution, haven't you? <laughs> you, you do. Know, well, very sad to see those burns. Well, in fact, I understand that uh, Anaplast doesn't really um, uh, normally mobilize for disaster relief, but recently mm. went to Nepal yes. to assist with emergency medical needs. Uh, yes. What did uh, Interplast yes. uh, do there? Yes, yes. That, that was, uh, you're right, we don't normally uh, do emergency relief. That's a different type of response mm-hmm. and different type of uh, preparation for that. We, we operate in a more more planned and uh, coordinated manner and were not equipped for that but that was at the direct response from the hospital that we have a relationship with um, and they just had so many high-end crush injuries that would have all ended up amputations and often multiple amputations so it was just overwhelming and they didn't uh, have enough people with the skills so they just they literally contacted us and said can you help so a bit of a miracle. The gods smiled on us, and people just dropped what they were doing and pulled a team together in a week. And Johnson That's and Johnson, pretty remarkable, isn't it? Because I imagine oh, that surgeons were already scheduled for yes. Their, yes, their programs here. Yes, yes, and normally you have quite a long lead time because people plan their holidays. They, uh, the hospitals have to accommodate um, quite a lot of. Um, uh, uh, alteration, as you can imagine. Yes. Any surgeon who's going to be out of town for two weeks won't do major cases the week before because you won't be there to follow them up. Um, there's, a, there's a lot goes into preparing for a, a normal program. So mm-hmm. something to come together that quickly and In go week. so far. Uh, our corporate supporters just jumped on board and we were just... We couldn't believe it. It was amazing. And the work was phenomenal because, as I say, they pretty much all would have ended up as um, probably multiple amputations. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was an extraordinary case. Um, Di, can you share with us perhaps a couple of your projects or programs? Mm-hmm, sure. If you don't mind me referring to some notes, um, two programs uh, that I'd love to tell you about. Uh, slightly different to each other, one being a training program and one being a surgical program, this being that twin track approach that we take of uh, training and mentoring and capacity building and service delivery of surgical services. Uh, So these are both uh, rotary supported and funded programs and both supported in country by local rotary clubs too to say where they exist in the countries we go to we um, we have good relationships with them um, the first one I'll tell you about was uh, conducted in uh, the Philippines in Caguindioro uh, the Philippines has got a population close to 93 million 
Um, and despite some very positive economic growth in recent years, those changes um, really are yet to filter down uh, as gains to the poorer sections of society. So the demand for plastic and reconstructive treatment um, is is, is high and de- exceeds the demands of the uh, local services that are available. So there are a growing number, um, but still very few, plastic and reconstructive surgery surgeons available. So based on that level of need, Interplast has been delivering surgical programs to the Philippines. Um, we've had a total of 39 programs since 1984, right. uh, three different locations. Um, so we have a strong support from both the local and national Philippine, uh, local and national Philippine governments and logistical office from the, um, governor's office. And we have very strong relationship and very strong support from the Rotary Club of Kagi and Dura. They're a fabulous, very active group. Uh, now in August earlier this year, a team of seven Interplast volunteers went to Kagi and Dura to deliver a two-week surgical training program two plastic surgeons, three anaesthetists and two theatre sisters, theatre nurses. Um, Very successful, very busy week. Uh, They undertook 77 consultations and 69 of those patients were operated on. Wow. Um, that's a pretty full. That's a pretty full <laughs> agenda. And you, you can't do anything really much less than two weeks, uh, two hours uh, with any particular operation. Lots of burns, um, scar releases, and um, uh, congenital deformities. The other program I might touch briefly on is in Papua New Guinea. That again was a Rotary funded from the Rotary Club of Baldwin. Mm-hmm. This is uh, an ongoing series of. Uh, Papua New Guinea is one of Australia's closest neighbours, very culturally diverse. Um, 848 different languages, I believe, are spoken there. No, it's a population no of, I heard that. Oh, no, oh, makes your head spin, doesn't it? It does. Population of uh, nearly 7 million, uh, of which a large percentage are in rural areas. In fact, the majority are in rural areas. So the demand for plastic and reconstructive work is very high. Significant numbers of, of uh, burns and hand injuries mm. are very common. So Interplast has been um, uh, delivering services there since 1985 and we have an ongoing relationship with some young plastic surgeons that are being built up and nurtured and trained. So that has been focusing on burns, acute management of burns, repairing tendons, uh, principles around flaps, you know, skin flaps, and there's Mm. a range of different skin flaps um, that you can do either uh, with or without blood supply, that sort of thing. They become more and more complex. Um, so those are starting to get quite high-end uh, level of expertise. So they're just two different programs that Rotary have been actively supporting wow. with our work. Wow, that is amazing work. Yeah. Now, um, do you, um, you have some major fundraising events uh, possibly coming up that you might want to highlight? Oh, thank you very much. Yes, uh, as we mentioned, we've just had the Eureka Climb, which was a joint White Lion and Interplast um, uh, benefits big event that was. Madness, climbing 88 floors myself. I think I'm quite clever doing I don't know. two yeah. escalators at Palm I'd have to have anyway. some cardiologists <laughs> partway through to be able to get me up that understand far. That. Uh, two major upcomings for next year. We have the Internet, uh, Women in Rotary hold our signature event, which is the International Women's Day Breakfast at Crown Casino on the 10th of March, All of right. which uh, Interplast is one of a number of beneficiaries, and we play a very active role in uh, organising that. And then we have uh, Cheria Pitt, is uh, doing her third intrepid adventure. Now, Taria is an amazing young woman 
who in uh, two th- she was a mining engineer in uh, Western Australia and in 2011 was um, participating in an ultra marathon and with um, four or five others got caught on a ridge with a bushfire uh, devastating devastating um, situations very scary very scary um, very uh, complicated um, story around that she's um, written a fascinating book um, anyway, they were rescued, but Cheria was very badly burned. About 65% of her body was very, very badly burned. Horrific. Mm, horrific, absolutely. Anyway, she has uh, gone on to become a, an, uh, an author and an inspirational speaker and um, a, an amazing woman. Anyway, she is participating in the third of her um, fundraising events for um, Interplast. She does because she's an ambassador, correct, correct. So her uh, Kokoda trek, which is very challenging, is uh, next year in early June 2016. That's on our website too. And she's physically able to participate and yes, yeah, yes. recover. I mean, it has it, right? challenges yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm she's sure. living with ongoing um, the lung damage effects. and all those other things that absolutely. happen with fire burn patients. Absolutely. Oh gosh, absolutely. But she's done the Great Wall of China. Uh, this year she did the Inca Trail. What an inspiration. And this book that you you had, she must have a, um, a, a site to take a look at, but it mm. definitely looks like a book we'll want to uh, read. Look and for, everything yeah. to look live for. for. Everything mm. to live for. Mm. I'll look for that one. Taria Pitt. Pitt. That's T-U-R-I-A-P-I-T-T. Correct, correct. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Other podcasts can be found on our club website, which is www.canterburyrotary.com. Dot org.